You are listening to Standing Firm, a call in an age of decay, deconstruction, and desolation to be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Welcome back to Standing Firm, a podcast of Holy Trinity Reformed Church in Canby, Indiana. I am your host, Pastor James Brown, Jr., We are considering the distinctive characteristics of Holy Trinity Reformed Church in this series, Who Are We? Uh, Basically, we're trying to, we're asking the question and trying to answer what makes us different. But before we begin, there are a few things that we need to say. First, concerning the gap in podcast. Our last podcast was in this series was back in December of 2022, so it has been a few months, and we apologize for our irregularity and the uh, irregularity of our work, but that is simply the way that it is here in Canby, Indiana, which is nothing unusual. Now, it might be unfaithful, and it might be delinquent, but... It is not unusual for this day and time in which we live. It's the essence of our day, but it's also been typical historically. Although unfaithfulness is historically common, there is no denying that we live in a day and age where we are on the extreme end of this unfaithfulness. We live in a day of deconstruction and desolation, just like the desolation found in Jerusalem upon the return of God's people from Babylon. So it is true that we have mostly inherited the ruins that we find ourselves in here in Western civilization, but that cannot be our excuse. We cannot allow that to become an excuse for our own abdication, unfaithfulness, and laziness. God's people are always told to go take possession and build. So yes, we today have inherited this mess that we find ourselves in, but we are also contributing to it by not being faithful in our work and in our our time. So if you do not shine light and just accept darkness then that is being part of the problem. It is contributing to the continuation of the darkness. And so when things are in disorder, to simply accept the disorder is to be, in fact, disordered yourself. So the unfaithfulness of others is no excuse for our unfaithfulness today. When the children of Israel returned to Jerusalem to take repossession of Jerusalem, and rebuild the temple and the walls under Ezra and Jeremiah, the destruction was no excuse. Their job was to rebuild. Their job was to take repossession of the land. Their job was to take dominion in the name of Jehovah. But it is man's sinful nature to abdicate, to seek his own will and pleasure, to separate and isolate from God, or, in other words, to be unfaithful. And this very thing happened in the restoration, even though in Nehemiah chapter 10, the children of God had made a covenant to be joined with their brethren, their nobles, 
And they entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his ordinances and his statutes. They made a vow that they would not give their daughters as wives to the pagans, nor take the daughters of pagans for wives for their sons. They promised that they would not, even if the people of the land brought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath, that they would not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day, and that they would keep the Sabbath. This covenant then goes on in Nehemiah 10 to state that they would faithfully worship, tithe, and serve the Lord their God. And at the end of the covenant, it states this, And we will not neglect the house of our God. And yet in Nehemiah chapter 13, we find them doing the very things that they had just recently promised that they would not do. They were so unfaithful that the Levites had to seek employment because they were not being paid. It was so bad that Nehemiah contended with them because they forsook the assembly, they refused to tithe, they joined in affinity with the pagans, and they were disobedient to the commandments of God, and therefore he asked them this question, why is the house of God forsaken? It became so heated that the Bible says that Nehemiah contended with them and cursed them struck some of them and pulled out their hair and then made them swear by God to keep their vows that they had made in Nehemiah chapter 10. It is this contention concerning faithfulness and unfaithfulness that is predominant throughout the Old and New Testaments. And so here we are today dealing with the same unfaithfulness We must acknowledge this fact, repent, and amend our ways. We should be striving to be better. We should be striving to do better and not just justifying ourselves with lame excuses. The excuse making has become so bad that we no longer believe, and I'm talking about 2023 American Christians, I'm talking about Western civilization, Our excuse-making has become so bad that we no longer believe that we are to amend our ways and strive to be perfect in Christ. And our excuse is, is that we don't want to make grace based on works. Instead, what we have done is arrogantly turn the grace of God into licentiousness, lawlessness, anarchy, disorder, irresponsibility, and self-indulgence. So that's the first thing we needed to say before we got started in this episode of Standing Firm. And the second thing is this. These initial podcasts are mostly declarative and proclamation rather than exegetical. The reason is that we are first stating who we are and what we believe. We are proclaiming the characteristics that define our identity. We are giving explanations along the way, but 
We are first declaring the truth in an age where there is no truth. We are here to declare that Christ and his word are truth. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And we belong to the true church that contains and proclaims that truth. We are not here to sheepishly affirm your truth or our truth. We are not jellyfish espousing some kind of relevant truth, which is to say that there is no truth. If the truth cannot be known, then it does not exist. I know this is offensive in this day and age, but no matter what your beliefs and practices are, I would hope that it is because you believe it is true. This is not to say that we think that we are right about everything. There must be categorical distinctions between what is primary, secondary, and indifferent. And what we are saying is that in the primary and fundamental articles of the Christian religion, we believe that we are right in these core matters that define Christianity. Confidence does not equal truth or accuracy, but I would not give you the time of day if you are not able to confidently profess what you believe is true. Now, truth must then be proven, but if you cannot declare that you know essential truth, then why would I listen to you for a second? There is no reason to ask you to prove your creed if you are not certain or if you do not have a creed. But we are here to preach what we know is the truth from Holy Scripture. We are here to confirm what the church has proclaimed and what nature reveals in support of the absolute truth of Holy Scripture found in the Old and New Testaments. We are not here to make you comfortable in your agnosticism. We are not here to make you comfortable in your sin. We are not here to make you comfortable in your unfaithfulness. We are here to call you to Christ and his truth. And so, that brings us to our next distinctive that we are discussing in this series, which is the means of grace. Now, there is a lot of unfamiliarity with this phrase. Most people are not familiar with this term because they're not religious. Or they have been exposed to or grabbed on to some newly invented or reinvented form of religion. But even in a more Christian area like ours here in Morgan County, Indiana, many are still unfamiliar with this term, means of grace, because their religious background is either fundamentalist or holiness or a combination of the two. But the very first thing that we must be able to recognize, and this is just by experience, this is not based on revealed truth, it's just after a while, you ought to be able to look around and realize that Something is not working. You ought to be able to say, this hurts. And so what we first need to recognize is this. 
that the non-use of means is not working. Now, what are the true means and what the means are is another topic. But it does not take too much knowledge. Even in the times we are living in, it doesn't take too much knowledge to know that non-means Christianity is meaningless. Ever since we adopted a non-creedal and decisional form of Christianity, we have suffered terrible consequences. We evangelized America and much of the world to a form of Christianity that is not effective. In other words, it is non-effectual, meaning we have converted people to a non-practicing form of Christianity, which is actually no Christianity at all. We did not remove all the means at once, but the watering down and the partial elimination has led us to the place where we are now, which has been the elimination of the means of grace resulting in a graceless doctrine of salvation. It is no longer the grace of God at work, but the psychological self-help concepts of man. It is sensational, it is spontaneous, it is self-loving, it is autonomous and self-reliant, but it is not effectual. This modern psychobabble we are passing off as Christianity and as salvation does not convict, it does not call, it does not justify, it does not sanctify sinners. It does nothing because it is a religion about nothing. Listen, our present state is a terrible problem. But the worst problem is that we refuse to recognize that there is a problem. We have all been influenced by, shaped by, and suffered the consequences of this fake Christianity, this religion about nothing that we have today. But the first step in recovering is to admit that we have a problem. And yet most American Christians are content with a deconstructed Christianity that is causing and is the root source of all the destruction in individual lives and in our culture. Christianity without means is a meaningless religion and there is nothing more meaningless in our society today. The church, Christianity, and Christians have become a laughingstock because of this empty and senseless form of Christianity that we have adopted. Now, historically, there have been four basic views concerning grace, and specifically tied to this phrase that we use called the means of grace. We are only going to briefly mention the non-reformed views because this podcast is about what makes us distinct from modern professing Christianity. However, it is necessary to briefly comment, and it's going to be ever so briefly, but it is necessary to briefly comment so that you know what we are distinct from. Now, we're not going to expand upon these things and make application of them and identify all the players that there are today. But first, there is the belief that the means 
are efficacious in their physical nature. Therefore, grace is cooperative based upon man's doing the physical means to attain salvation. The physical means are the source and the Holy Spirit is the instrument of the means for effectual salvation, and we reject this view. Second, there is the belief that the means are efficacious by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes salvation effectual through the means God has ordained unto salvation. The Holy Spirit is the regenerating power and the means are the instruments to signify and seal. And that is the view that we take here at Holy Trinity Reformed Church. And we'll speak more to this here in a moment. Third, there is the belief that the means are not efficacious, but merely memorials. The means of grace are denied directly or indirectly. And in this view, God is free to communicate his grace and is not bound to external means. Now, that is a very simplistic explanation, and it can get very complicated, especially as men attempt to rationalize their views. It can also become very disordered, distorted, as some will attempt to combine various elements of these views together, which ends up being a whole lot of doublespeak. But rather than deal with all the other views and identify who believes these different things, I want to spend our time telling you what we believe, which would be labeled the Reformed view. So first, let's answer the question, what are the means of grace? First of all, we believe that the primary and ordinary means of grace are word, sacrament, and prayer. The word is comprised of the law and the gospel. The sacraments are comprised of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And prayer is comprised of confession, intercession, supplication, and thanksgiving. By grace, we mean special grace or salvific grace and not common grace. We are talking about the grace that is effectual unto salvation and not general grace such as sunshine, rain, food, civil government, or anything else that is common to all men. The means of special grace are ordinary in that they are designed and used by God to bring sinners to a knowledge of salvation in signifying and sealing grace unto them. This is why at Holy Trinity Reformed Church, we place these three means as a priority of what we do. It's the foundation of everything that we do. Therefore, the preaching and the reading of the Holy Scripture are central to our worship and are the basis for the order and elements of worship. We require baptism for membership and frequently observe the Lord's Supper. We also conduct and a Wednesday night evening prayer service because every aspect of church life should be built around these three means. And these three means should be devotional. And although we are saying that these three, word, sacrament, and prayer, we are not denying other secondary means to edify believers, such as 
other Christian disciplines, attributes, and practices. But these must be scriptural and must be aids to the word sacrament and prayer. We should also note that we do not believe that the means of grace God has given to his church should ever be separated, but work as a whole in the life of believers in the church. Therefore, they are not a thing or the thing that saves, nor are they merely symbols, but actually bring about the truth and existence of the gospel. The means are not supernatural by their physical nature, but God supernaturally works through these ordinary and physical means. In his book, Systematic Theology, Louis Burkhoff summarizes the Reformed view of the means of grace by writing this. While reaction to the Anabaptists caused the Lutherans to move in the direction of Rome and to bind the grace of God to the means in the most absolute sense, a position also taken by high church Anglicans, the Reformed churches continued the original view of the Reformation. They deny that the means of grace can of themselves confer grace, as if they were endued with a magical power to produce holiness. God and God only is the efficient cause of salvation. And in the distribution and communication of his grace, he is not absolutely bound to the divinely appointed means through which he ordinarily works, but uses them to serve his gracious purposes according to his own free will. But while they do not regard the means of grace as absolutely necessary and indispensable, they strongly oppose the idea that these means may be treated as purely accidental and indifferent and can be neglected with impunity. God has appointed them as the ordinary means through which he works his grace in the heart of sinners and their willful neglect can only result in spiritual loss. End of quote. We hope that you have been helped by listening to Standing Firm and that you will tune in again next time as we continue to stand in the faith in an age of deconstruction, desolation, and destruction, believing that Christ will reconcile this world to God through regeneration, repentance, revival, and reformation. Standing Firm is a podcast production of Holy Trinity Reformed Church in Canby, Indiana. For more information about this podcast or Holy Trinity Reformed Church, visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org.